At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Hello. I wondered if you might make it here. You're quite resourceful. I am known as Father. The Institute is under my guidance. I know why you're here. I'd like to discuss things with you face to face. Please, step into the elevator. I can only imagine what you've heard, what you think of us. I'd like to show you that you may have the wrong impression. Welcome to the Institute. This is the reality of the Institute. This place, these people, the work we do. For over a hundred years, we've dedicated ourselves to humanity's survival. Decades of research, countless experiments and trials, a shared vision of how science can help shape the future. It has never been easy. And our actions are often misinterpreted by those above ground. Someday, perhaps, we can show them what we've accomplished. But for now, we must remain underground. There's too much at stake here to risk it all. As you've seen, things above are... unstable. I'd like to talk to you about what we can do for everyone. But that can wait. You are here for a specific, very personal reason. You are here for your son. So, uh, I guess I should say spoilers ahead. Um, Usually in these episodes... I'm talking about some of the really early games and I figure, you know, 20 years goes by and the uh, lifetime of spoilers is kind of kind of run out. But today I'm talking about the section that you hear in the intro here where you meet the Institute and the Institute is very specifically in Fallout 4, and although it's been a number of years, just a warning, spoilers if you have not played through all of Fallout 4 yet, and you haven't 
actually interacted with the Institute at the Institute. This episode is all about the Institute and synths. So if you need to skip this episode, totally understand. Uh, it is a Fallout Lorecast, though, so I will be going into detail about what's going on with the Institute. And with the Institute, I remember specifically entering into this situation. You probably heard the intro play and it brought you back to this feeling of, of being there and being confronted with that voice of, uh, walking into the situation and feeling all hyped up, like, okay, we're going to go take those guys out. And then getting a completely unexpected situation where you are addressed formally and welcomed in and things are explained to you. And right away you end up meeting Sean. So We'll go into Sean and some of the other stuff at another point. I don't want to get too deep into that, but um, it's hard to talk about the Institute without talking about Sean. So let's start with the beginning, with the background of the Institute. The Institute is actually referenced a few times in some of the other Fallout games, starting in Fallout 3. So uh, the fact that it shows up in Fallout 4 is a little bit... um, foreshadowed, I guess you could say. The Institute is technically the Commonwealth Institute of Technology, which is CIT. It is very directly an analogy to MIT, uh, being in in Boston, uh, being technologically focused and all of that. So it is, for all intents and purposes, the fallout equivalent of MIT. And if you know about MIT in the real world, you know that they do a lot of research and they do a lot of really cool stuff and push technology further. And a lot of the graduates that come from MIT end up going on to found their own businesses and companies and develop all sorts of really cool uh, technological innovations. So it makes sense that in the fallout world that the, the people who make it through the great war and survive and are from a very specific organization like MIT would go on to continue their research and to focus on a lot of the things that they already did before. There are similarities here between uh, the Institute and the Enclave. Think about it. A group of individuals who are a little bit unique compared to the average population uh, in the Institute. It's specifically because of their intelligence and research and, and their focus uh, not so much their status, but more their their focus on technology. And in the Enclave, we talked about that. That was that was about political standing and also researchers and, and other individuals who are uh, well known for their achievements and their power, the things that they've done to acquire power and money. So similar in that, and being that there's similarities there between the Enclave and the Institute, it also makes sense on some level that there's a justification that the ends justify the means. Now, what does that mean? That means that the end goal in the case of the Institute or in the case of the Enclave justifies a lot of the actions it takes to get there. They're willing to do things that may be generally considered amoral or immoral in order to get to the result, which they think is worth the the immoral actions. So, so let's dig into this a little bit. Now, 
there is another reference um, that's very specific with the Institute, and that is that Robert House from New Vegas attended CIT in his youth. Um, and I'm pulling this information today from the fandom.com wiki about the Institute. And we're going to go into a little bit about the synths, but mostly about the Institute itself. I have a feeling we could do a whole nother episode just on the synths. So let's dig into the Institute. The, uh, during the great war, a number of CIT personnel survived by taking refuge in the underground levels of the campus. So it's one of those situations where they didn't really have a vault, but they had a campus with a significant underground section that acted kind of like a vault in order to help people survive. Now in 2110, the survivors and their descendants founded the Institute. And this is the basically uh, the Phoenix rising from the ashes, the, the version of the organization now post apocalypse. And their dedication was to furthering pre-war science. So the whole point of them was basically to continue a lot of the research that was being done beforehand because they felt that that would be a way toward salvation for humans. In its early days, as the very first generation one since were being built, the Institute reached out to aid the people of the Commonwealth in rebuilding civilization. But mutual mistrust quickly doomed that enterprise. Soured on any further cooperation with the surface, the Institute withdrew into the shadows and adopted a new purpose to abandon the Commonwealth to whatever fate awaits it and focus only on furthering their own vision of humanity's future regardless of how many innocent lives they would have to sacrifice in the process. Basically, they decided, and it says it a little bit in the intro, that it is too chaotic out there. It is too much to try to control that. It is too unpredictable. And they want things that are predictable. They want to be able to look at data and collect data and make improvements and make a lot of logical progress. And dealing with the the Commonwealth, dealing with the wastelanders out there and all the terrible things going on was just going to get in the way. So they justified a lot of their actions based on this idea that we can't let those people out there get in our way of saving the future. Now, the Institute's Advanced Systems Department completed work on the Molecular Relay, a teleportation device, in the late 2180s to early 2190s. This allowed the Institute to completely seal itself off from the surface and begin expanding its facilities deeper underground. Whenever the Institute required materials that it could not produce itself, Generation 1 and Generation 2 synths were teleported to the surface to scavenge as well as to conduct experiments which would otherwise have required institute personnel to leave the safety of the facility. So because of the technology they were developing with the synths, they could very easily not have to ever leave. They would send basically generation one and generation two synths were basically androids. They're basically Android robots. And for that purpose, they were tools. They were not considered to be, intelligent, free thinking, uh, functionally working like humans, although some of them eventually developed that ability. But in general, because they were so robotic in origin and they looked like robots, they were very much treated like robots. 
And so why go out and risk your own life when you can send your robot buddy out there and, you know, if it gets damaged, you can just fix it. It doesn't have feelings, right? It's got a job to do. It's why not, you know, why not just use the robot? It just makes sense. These directives frequently led to conflict between the synths and the people of the surface and instilled in the latter a lasting prejudice against synths and wariness of the secret institute. So the Wastelanders pretty quickly realized that these things were not humans and that they did not have their specific well-being in mind (laughs) at all. By 2227, work on the third generation of synths who would be indistinguishable from genuine humans was well underway. Mercenary Conrad Kellogg was sent out to find Vault 111, where the Institute's scientists believed they could find a cryogenically preserved pre-war human for their experiments. And as we know from the, in, from the very beginning of the game, that they were absolutely right. Kellogg returned with the infant Sean whose pristine DNA was used to finish the synths. The people of the surface first encountered a prototype Generation 3 synth in 2229, when it attacked the residents of Diamond City in what became known as the Broken Mask Incident. And you can find references to this in the game. Existing prejudices against synths were compounded into paranoia. The people of the surface realized that the Institute could secretly kidnap and replace them with synths. While some scoffed at such a notion, this paranoia was in fact justified, as the Institute did begin using synths to infiltrate and even sabotage surface communities to further their own goals. By 2287, the Institute was actively opposed by the Railroad, who viewed the third-gen synths as fully sapient and wished to liberate them from the Institute as well as the Brotherhood of Steel, who viewed the Institute's work with synths as a return to the days of amoral pre-war corporations, such as Poseidon Energy and Mass Fusion. This quickly led to a large conflict between the three factions. And that becomes the story of Fallout 4, is basically, those are the three main factions, and you have to pick sides at some point. So you have to decide what to do and who you think should move forward and survive and... I, as far as I've seen it, it plays out um, very different for a lot of different people. And there's a lot of really interesting justifications. I would love to hear your justifications about why you chose who you chose to side with and how you felt about the way that that played out. Um, kind of like in the conversation I had in the little interview I had with my daughter where she discussed a little bit about why she sided with the Institute. So one of the other things I want you to think about here is let's let's imagine... Uh, and, and I bring this up on uh, robots thoughts. If you if you want more of my kind of stewing over ideas and thinking through different kinds of things, then subscribe to robot thoughts. It's I've got four or five episodes up already. I've got some new ones. Um, I basically am recording myself as I'm thinking about things, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes while I'm riding in the car and I just have some ideas and some thoughts I want to share. So if you want more of that, I discuss what my thoughts are around having to um, deal with other intelligent beings and other intelligent species in, in the episode. And this applies to elder scrolls online in games, like in, in a fantasy world, because you have like elves and humans and all those types of different types of things. But it also applies to AI in a, uh, fallout kind of futuristic sense. Think about it. Imagine 
put yourself, don't you put yourself in the, in the place of the Commonwealth, put yourself in the place of the Institute worker and maybe not even one of the ones who work directly on the synths. Imagine you're, you're working in the kitchen. You're making sure everyone gets fed. And when you first start working there, you've got some robot friends that help you out. And this feels very similar to the way the world was before the Great War with like a Mr. Handy or a whatever. And you know that those, were, those robots were programmed to do what they did. And th- they did not have any self-awareness. They had no free thought, none of that. And then they get an upgrade. And they start to seem more human, but you still can clearly tell that they are metallic. They are made out of metal and parts. And then the next upgrade comes... And all of a sudden, the, the creature, the, the tool you were using, the thing standing next to you is indistinguishable from another human being. They have flesh. They're warm to the touch. They breathe. They bleed when they accidentally cut themselves with a knife in the kitchen. They seem to have emotions. And they react and they respond. They answer questions. They think independently. They learn over time. How long does it take until you can no longer look at that individual and see them as something other than a free-thinking individual? A few years? Will you ever get to that point? Is it a generational thing? There's a there's this idea that... Um, Progress only happens between generations. This idea that once we are programmed through our childhood, basically as humans, and we grow up in a certain way, in a certain place, believing certain things into about our 20s, that that solidifies. And it's very, very difficult for people to make changes intentionally in in their gut feelings and the things that they truly believe deep down once that they are established adults. And that progress in the world only happens as people die off who have previous dated, no longer compatible ideas with the way the world is moving. Does that happen here? If you were the worker where you, you were the first one to work with this new synth, maybe you never think of them as human, but maybe your kids growing up with them and visiting you in, in in the kitchen and you know, joking around with the synth you're working with, start to perceive them as really no different than you, you and me. Doesn't this happen in our own world when it comes to our own, quote, race relations? When you grow up in a society that is completely just people like yourself, everyone outside of that society looks different. And it's very hard to see them as similar in some ways, because culturally, speech wise, all sorts of different ways, they, they, they just are different. But when you grow up in a society where you are around lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds, that becomes the normal. And they may be different from you, but they're, but they're still people. What would that take? How would that work? I find that discussion very interesting. So let me know your thoughts on how that you think that would work for you. Is that something that you'd be able to see differently? or change your perception on, or would it be too difficult? 
Now let's get into some of the other details. The structure of the Institute is basically divided up into four main divisions, each with their own areas of expertise. You have the Synth Retention Bureau, often abbreviated to SRB, which employs completely obedient generation three synths known as coursers. Uh, they're responsible for tracking down and retrieving escaped synths, coarser training, synth wiping, and monitoring the Commonwealth. They wear the black variant of the Institute lab coat. Now, each of these different groups has a different color that's associated with them. And of course, the black one's the really badass looking one. So, you know, I guess that <laughs> it makes sense, right? They're the ones going out into the world getting stuff done. Then there's robotics who are responsible for synth construction, development, and maintenance, and they wear the orange lab coats. Um, bioscience focuses on the study and creation of biomechanical life and bridging the gap between organic life and robotic life responsible for genetic and bioengineering, medical care, FEV experimentation, interesting crop production and pharmaceuticals. They wear the green variant of the Institute lab coat. And uh, if you remember Virgil, who is a super mutant, they were uh, involved with some of this. And that's a whole nother topic to go into. And super mutants in general and their relation to the Institute is another very interesting topic. Then we have the advanced systems headed by Madison Lee, responsible for advanced technological research and development, including laser weapons and synth armor. The advanced systems division designed the teleportation matrix uh, the, that they use for getting in and out of the facility. Uh, they are rumored to be planning a dark matter initiative, which can be overheard in conversations after the player character arrives at the Institute. And they were the blue lab coats. And then there's the facilities. Uh, this department maintains the building and upkeep of the Institute facilities and superstructure responsible for life support, security systems, power distribution, food and housing, mechanical engineering and maintenance. And they were the yellow lab coats. And basically they, uh, their work encompasses the whole of the Institute. So the Institute is divided into four sections. The first four are the sections and the facilities is kind of the fifth group that oversees just the maintenance of everything. And uh, they don't have a specialized, uh, section per se. So the society of the, um, Institute is interesting too. It says here in the wiki that despite the Institute's prowess, there are limited amounts of scientists at its disposal with a small team working with each division and several auxiliary scientists elsewhere. As a result, the Institute requires relatively little housing space and has apartments to accommodate all scientists and their families. Scientists interact regularly and often spend time inside the cafeteria and main chamber where you can see them kind of milling about if you remember if you remember going into the Institute. Despite its secrecy, the Institute maintains a friendly and welcoming demeanor to those introduced into its ranks and allows access to almost every area inside the facility to newcomers. There appears to be no strict work hours for most scientists as they often take many hours off and come and go as they please for meals. But there are clearly places that you cannot go in the Institute. And if you dig around, you can find some really interesting stuff. So the Institute is also known for its military. It's primarily a scientific group, but being that it has synths at its disposal, it has also developed a significant military force. 
Um, inside the main HQ of the, of the Institute, the robotics department can produce very large numbers of synthetic organisms, which can be very efficient foot soldiers with enhanced strength and resilience. This, coupled with the advanced technology at their disposal, makes the Institute's synths a serious threat to anyone who dares to oppose them. Generation 1 and 2 synths serve as the backbone of forces. Equipped with variants of the Institute laser gun, shock batons, and synth armor. And if you recall, the the items that the synths use, the Institute items, are different. They are functionally distinct from the laser rifles that you find in the wasteland. Now, beyond just Generation 1 and Generation 2 synths, there are Generation 3 synths that... I almost messed that up. C synth. Generation 3 synths that work as coursers, as I mentioned before. And they are also equipped with Institute laser guns and the signature coat, the black coat. And also synth grenades that allow them to teleport Generation 1 synths to help them in combat. And they commonly utilize stealth boys. So... You don't want to mess with the synths uh, if you if you don't have to, um, but the, if they need to bring some forces to bear, they can actually teleport them in as they need. So that's as far as we're going to go with the Institute today. There is a lot more to go into specifically around the synths, the events that happen in the game, some of the individual synths in the world, and other people that we come into contact with that are connected to the Institute, but all of those things are much bigger topics for another future episode. So I'd like to leave you this episode with the question about getting along with and understanding other forms of intelligent life. At what point, even in our own world, is something that thinks and acts on its own considered a living thing? What are the requirements? And if we were to list out all those requirements and it met all of those requirements, could you get your brain around that? Could you emotionally deal with a synth that looks and feels and acts just like a human? What if they have lifespans that are, that are identical? What if they are almost indistinguishable? Brains and hearts, lungs, all the body parts. What if they could even reproduce like humans? And they had similar lifespans. Would you be able to treat them as people? How did you respond to this in the game? And what do you think? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them.
Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? All right, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers, welcome back to the show. My name is Tom Robots, and thank you for tuning in again to another episode of the Fallout Lorecast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to talk with you every week, and this is this is the highlight of my week, guys. This is what I think about all week long before I get a chance to sit back in front of the microphone and start a conversation with you. But I'm not going to rant too mu- too long. I already mentioned um, Fallout or Fallout <laughs> Robots Thoughts, the other podcast I'm doing. So if you want to hear more of my ranting and thoughts on things, go check that out. It is now available everywhere on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you can get a show. It is probably available. Um, so go subscribe to that. Let me know what you think. I'm dropping extra episodes every week, sometimes three or four times a week, um, short little extra little episodes of my thoughts. The quality and the recording aren't as good because I'm riding in a car part of the time sometimes, and sometimes I'm in the middle of the night, sometimes I'm in the middle of the night talking really quiet like this, but, um, (laughs) man, I talk too fast. Uh, but I would love for you to hang out there, listen to some of those shows and, and give me your thoughts on that. And also if, if you don't mind taking the time, if you left a review for this show, please leave a review for that show as well on iTunes. That really, really does help me out. And speaking of ways that you can support the show, I have to call out two new patrons this week. We have three new patrons total, but two new that are tier two or higher Our new tier two Hamza S Welcome to the group. Thank you so much for, I guess I should just say joining the vault. (laughs) Does that even make sense? Um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for supporting the show. And I really, really appreciate it. And then also a new tier three supporter, which means Marcus R. Thank you so much. You will be able to shoot me a note about anything you want, anything you want to have a question about, anything you want me to discuss on the show. And I will do my best to at least highlight it in one of the episodes, if if not as a main section of the show, as something later on that I can discuss in maybe this part of the show. So thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. I really, really do appreciate it. It's so it warms my heart every time I see a review pop up or somebody else uh, patronizing the show that that really means so much to me. Um, outside of that, in the game this week, we've got some really awesome stuff going on. So, so I mentioned last week that Chimichanga Kinsey will be coordinating some of the weekly events. And we had one on Saturday, and we are going to do another one this week, this weekend, probably on Sunday. And we are combining with the group that um, Kinsey has already organized. So there's already going to be a bunch of us in there. So I don't know specifically the details on this. I can tell you that past events, um, they've done things like dressing up all as brotherhood characters and getting together or going on a death claw hunt or doing a bunch of fun things in the game, taking pictures and, and posting things on social media together. So it should be lots and lots of fun. Um, I'm not sure what exactly what the theme is this week, but there will be more info up on the discord. There's a specific section now in the discord for uh, group events. Um, for just event notifications and things. So if you pop in there, you can always see what the next event is going to be. And for the PC group and the Xbox group, and then even a PS4 group, if we get that going. And yes, I did mention Xbox group. That is because Durka 1988 is heading up the Xbox group. And they also had their first weekly event last week on Saturday. And by all uh, measures, I wasn't able to join because I'm not on Xbox, but all measures, just seeing the reactions in the Discord and on social media, it was a big hit. Everybody had a blast. So if you're interested in getting involved on the Xbox front or the PS4 
vault front vault front 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 of the vault door opening um then check out the discord jump in there there are some people in the ps4 group who are like hey who else is out there so there's definitely at least a few of them so all of this is building it's going to be so much fun to have these weekly events every week um i can't wait to get in there and do some wackiness and actually make this like a priority for me to get in and play the game with you guys on a weekly basis so if you can't do pc that's totally cool you've got xbox and ps4 groups that are that we're working on. So go check that out. And thank you also to Durka for being such a wonderful supporter of the show and for helping promote this stuff. You're, you're doing an awesome job, dude. And I really appreciate it. Um, other news, we have the reviews from this week. So I mentioned it last week. We had uh, only a few reviews last week. And I was like, you know what? That means when we go through a dry spell, then it's going to pour. And now we've got six new reviews this week. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for filling up the review bag again. That is awesome. And I already mentioned Durka, but Durka left reviews for this show and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, which is super awesome. So thank you, Durka, for leaving the review on this one. He writes, freaking amazing podcast, my dude. I, fe- <laughs> I left like it was... I think he meant felt. I felt like it was time to finally review the show shows. I started listening to the ESO podcast uh, first due to the fact that the lore seekers were on your show over there. I totally got hooked and I'm all in. Keep up the good work. Your friend Durka from the USA. P.S. Tom is still alive. You might want to explain who Tom is. Yeah. So he made a specific character for playing with the community called Tom Robots, I believe is the name of the character. And you can see pictures of Tom Robots up on the Discord. So um, if you see Tom Robots running around in Xbox games, that's Durka. That's not me. It's him um, pretending to be me. Maybe. I don't know how that's working out. Durka, how's that working out? Uh, Let me know. So then we've got a review from Great Britain from, I'm going to mess this up, Amalagendium. Did I say that right? Amazing find. Caught robots on that Fallout show and have been hooked on this show since. I drove long distance and this has been keeping my Fallout thirst at bay till I can get home on my PC. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm glad that that is doing that for you. And I'm always happy to be helping people in times of need, like while riding in cars or at work, when, especially when I need some help to get through the day. Uh, then we have, I am a Claude from the U.S. who writes, Fallout without lore almost makes you wish for a nuclear winter. <laughs> That's a callback to the quote from the previous episode. I found this show via TFS. I love Fallout lore, and this is what the show is primarily. I can't wait for more episodes. I've gone through all but the two newest episodes. Great podcast. Man, some of you guys are just like blowing through the episodes so fast. I wish I could just turn it out even faster for you, but I'm, I'm doing my best. If you need more of my content, go listen to robots thoughts because you're going to get a lot more of it there. And it's a lot easier for me to do that than build up the research and get these episodes out. So, uh, you can go two places. Then we have, um, thank you. Thank you very much. I am a Claude. Then we have Antonio, the wanderer who sounds like a, a fallout character. Is that a fallout character? Antonio, the wanderer. I don't think so. If that's one that I just can't bring to mind right now, let me know. Uh, From the U.S. who writes, this podcast is the best with a capital S and a capital B. I absolutely love to listen to this podcast whenever possible. I jumped into Fallout a little late, Fallout 3. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I fell in love with it. 
There's so much I didn't know about previous games and the lore that goes along with it. It's so cool to listen in and learn about it all. Keep up the awesome content, my dude. Man, I guess that's my new name now, is my dude. Everyone's calling me my dude. So whenever you write me anything from now on, just say, hello, my dude. In fact, maybe I should announce that at the beginning of the show. This is your host, my dude. Now, that's too similar to the dude. I don't know about that. Out of the way, Lebowski. Anyway, so we've got uh, two more. Kiss Fan 95 from the U.S. writes, absolutely nuclear. Oh, and thank you, Antonio. I didn't say thank you at the end of that one. Thank you very much. Who says, uh, absolutely nuclear writes, this show is amazing with all sorts of exclamation marks after nuclear and amazing. I listen at work and I am in love with the Fallout series and have been since my first experience with Fallout 3. With my ADHD, it is hard for me to learn and focus on the lore sometimes. So thank you for the show that I've been asking for. Keep it up. Hey, that's awesome. I'm glad I can help you out. That's really, really cool. Um, we all have to deal with our own things, you know, and I'm glad that this really fits something that uh, that you really wanted. That's awesome. Then we have one more that just came in today, or I just noticed pop up recently. Sometimes it's a little bit delayed. Um, Rabusg from Great Britain writes, Astoundingly Awesome Tales. I'm not usually the kind of guy to take much notice of the lore behind games. I'm more into grinding, but the story of post-apocalyptia, that's a cool word, apocalyptia, has had a special place in my heart since watching Waterworld as a child. Man, Waterworld. Okay, you're sending me back in time. Playing Fallout 3 as a teenager, the one thing that really spoke to me was Little Lamplight and Big Town. I would love to hear more about the story behind these towns. I am a new listener and have only listened to a couple episodes, so I'm sorry if you already covered it. Nope, haven't already covered it. I'm getting through a lot of the big uh, major groups and content and ideas, and then I'm going to dig into more of these particulars and individual little stories from uh, each of the games. So I'm sure I'll get there at some point. Uh, keep up the astounding, awesome tales and thanks for the great content. Well, thank you for leaving the review. Thank you to everybody. You guys are super awesome. I can't wait to see you in game, um, this weekend, probably on Sunday for the PC group. Um, check the discord for information about that. And as always, you know where to reach me. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you, I've got other news. I need to bring this up on the show. The robots radio network is expanding. We are expanding. We are growing. I have opened up the doors to other podcasts that I believe are doing an awesome job. They have really good content. They have really good quality. Something really makes them stand out. And that's the idea is that I want Robots Radio to be a place where you know you can go to find high quality, well-made podcast content around video games and nerd culture and any of that kind of stuff that, that we are all into. So... If you want to check that out, go to robotsradio.net. I don't have the SSL certificate, which means it's HTTP instead of HTTPS. It should be up in a few days. Um, so if it says like warning, this site isn't secure, it's fine. There's no viruses on the site. I just haven't officially done the certificate yet. So um, go check that out if you want to take a look at the site and see what's going on there. Um, so the announcements that I want to include are, and some of these are going to be familiar, the Out of the Vault show. I had Duke on an uh, early episode of this show. Uh, he's the host of the Out of the Vault show with um, some other people. They are officially on the network. Another podcast show you should go check out. They talk about the show notes. They talk about show notes. They talk about game patch notes. That's the word. And 
a bunch of stuff going on in Fallout 76, so they cover a lot of things I don't, so I would recommend going checking them out. Then there's also the Hidden Pixels podcast, which talks about stories from games, including one from the Fallout series. And every week or two, they have a new episode where they go over in depth a really nice long form story about something deep in the lore that I think you guys would probably find interesting, at least the um, some of the Fallout episodes. But some of the other ones are awesome, too, because they talk about other video games and a lot of times games that we've all played. So go check that out. And then also Written in Uncertainty is another Elder Scrolls lore podcast that does a super deep dive into some of the really debated edge case lore stuff out there and gets you really, really deep into the lore. That's with Aramithius. And if you're into Elder Scrolls, then that would be another place for you to check that out. Now, the network is growing, but I'm being selective as to who I invite into the network. So if you have recommendations, it's very hard to find really good content out there. It takes a lot of time pouring over lots of different shows, checking them out, giving them a listen. So if you have a recommendation for a show that you absolutely love, and better yet, if you have a connection with a show that you absolutely love, that's doing a kick-ass job with creating really good content, really good in-depth stuff, really unique shows about video games and nerd culture, send me info about that. I want to know about them. And if you could get me in touch with somebody, that would be even, even better because sometimes you know, reaching out to somebody as, Hey, this is the robots radio network. Sounds scammy. You're like, Oh, what do you, what do you want from me? Um, I'm not trying to scam anybody. I'm just looking out for other shows, trying to bring us all together and create even more good content for you guys. So let me know if you have any info about that. Otherwise you can reach me at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or at falloutlorecast on Twitter. And there's a link in the show notes to the discord channel. We've got new people jumping in every day. The community continues to grow and there's, it's always fun every day to, to jump in there and chat with you guys. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you all for being invested in the show and uh, stay tuned for next week when we discuss probably I've, got some ideas in mind, but I think things might get a little darker. We'll see how it goes. Until then, make sure you're not a synth, uh, or if you are, be okay with that, I guess. All right, I'll see you guys later. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.